hi this is i'm (laughs) (laughs) once you know it's for real you're like (laughs) (laughs) hi i'm kirsten jones and i'm Susie walton and this is our podcast hashtag raising athletes with kirsten and Susie. our passion is supporting parents and raising not only strong athletes but extraordinary people Join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports, including everything from early specialization and overuse injuries to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves, not only in the classroom and on the court, but at dinner tables and in their communities. We'll be talking to coaches, athletes, parents, and anyone else who will speak to us (laughs) about their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success. And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're going to get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it, teach our kids and ourselves how to do better next time. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too. Let's do this. All right, we're here today raising athletes with uh, Joe Abunazar, who's the founder of Impact Basketball. I am so grateful to have you on today, Joe. Thanks for being here. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. So I want to start off with your story, which I found so inspirational as as an athlete who aspired to play at the top level in volleyball. Um, You started off back in 1989, you know, showing up at Indiana University. Can you talk to me about what happened with Bobby Knight and how you decided to go after that? Sure. I'm, it, it's a, a story that I'm, I don't even know why I did it, but at this point, I remember exactly when I was about 16, I read, I read a book, A Season on the Brink, which is John Feinstein's book. And at that time, it was a, a really new concept of a, a writer shadowing Coach Knight or a coach for an entire season and he, he gave him full access to the season, you know, the locker room, the, the rants at the players, the, the coaching meetings, everything. And Feinstein came out with a book that was really, really controversial. And, and like I said, one of the first of its kind where a coach like coach Knight had really let someone into his, uh, his world and not censored it. And it was a bit startling, but for me, it really showed me the effect that a coach could have on uh, you know, on, on young people and what he could do for their lives. And it got me for whatever reason, after I read that book, I, I can remember telling my mom, I, I was, I'm going to go to Indiana. I'm going to work for coach Knight, And I, I want to be a basketball coach, which, you know, I don't really know that my mom or dad thought I knew what I was talking about, but I, I stayed with it for a long time. So I ended up working at the five-star camp in, in Pittsburgh, which is a, it's out of New York. It's a famous camp that Michael Jordan played at Patrick Ewing back in the day when before all the shoe circuit and all the stuff that happens that happens, uh, you know, today. And, uh, the owner of that, I, I went to that camp in order to impress the owner of the camp who was a friend of coach Knight. So long story short, two summers later, I worked there for about eight weeks every summer. And, and that particular guy, Howard Garfinkel, he made a call to coach Knight to allow me to be a manager at Indiana. So I, I didn't even really know why I liked the school, to be honest with you. I ended up, of course, <laughs> loving the school and met my wife there, and we were married in the student union and the whole thing. So it was a, it was a good story. But yeah, uh, it, it, yeah so I, there I was. I, I went as a freshman to Indiana, and I was a high school athlete. I played football. I played lacrosse and basketball, but not good enough in any of them to really 
uh, lacrosse, I could have played at a few Division three schools. But in those days, you know, it wasn't college sports weren't as important as it is today. So went to Indiana and, and that's where it all started. And I just got very involved with the program there. And I was in Indiana when Coach Knight was really at the peak of, of, of his career and our teams were outstanding. And we, we stayed in the top five in the country, I think three years straight, which wow. was an awesome experience for me. I went, went to the final four, the final eight, uh, and really saw college basketball at the highest level. So that's kind of how it all started. And, uh, back, back in 93, I graduated from there and went to Wyoming as an assistant coach, coach Knight. Uh, helped me out with that. The, the Joby Wright, who became the head coach at Wyoming, right when I was graduating, he left Miami of Ohio. I had met Joby. He was a former assistant for Coach Knight, and he basically hired me with him at 21 years old. And I packed my bags and got on a plane and flew to Laramie, Wyoming, and lived there for four years. So it was a dream come true for me at 21 to be, yeah. I think at that point, I was the youngest uh, Division One assistant in the country, which I was proud of and, and excited to do. And that's where all the basketball started. That's so awesome. And then out of that, you said you realized really it was the desire to help really help players develop that really ended up turning you on and what you, why you got into doing what you're doing today. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's, it, it really kind of, it was a precursor for my feelings today on, on the youth game. And I, I never liked recruiting, you know, I didn't like dealing with all the nonsense of flying around and, mm basically, you know, trying to say, sell uh, all these families and kids and in a crazy world of, of youth and AAU type club basketball. And I never, I never enjoyed it. So when we were done at Wyoming, that my, my staff got, got let go after four years, we had some great years there and it was a new athletic director and he didn't, he didn't really mix with the, with our head coach. So I was getting ready to go to another division one job in Bowling Green, Ohio at Bowling Green with, uh, with a guy named Dan Dockett, who's actually an ESPN commentator now and, and um, has his own radio show in Indianapolis. But Dan made a statement to me and he said, you, you can come, but do you really want to be an assistant coach at Bowling Green? And I said, you know what? I really don't. So <laughs> I didn't do it. And at that point I had a, a very good friend who was, uh, made my basketball roots go back so deep. So Lawrence Frank, who's the president of the LA Clippers now, who's an NBA head coach for the Nets and the Pistons, he ended up being my college uh, roommate as an as a manager also at Indiana. So you know, <laughs> he had a friend who became an agent, and then the agent asked me, "Hey, would you mind working out some of our players uh, while you're in between jobs?" And I said, "No, no problem. That'd be fun." So I ended up working those guys out, and it led to what I'm doing today. A long time later, I got lucky. The players that I got were named Garnett and Billups and those guys. Yeah, so you trained some they, of, they, they threw yeah. me a ringer, yeah. Which is so I awesome. I got lucky. Yeah, which is what, honestly, this, so Susie, I should tell everyone, Susie's off in India right now doing this two-week meditation retreat, which is so phenomenal. So um, I'm holding down the fort, but I want to you know, say to all the parents listening, this is really about supporting parents you know, what we really focus on, Joe, is helping parents raise not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people. And you and I are both parents of high schoolers, right, that are trying to figure out that next step, which you were alluding to, which is, you know, are you or not going to make the varsity team or are you going to make, you know, a college team? And if you do make a college team, at what level? And, um, you know, you're dealing with, so running this training facility in Vegas where you're seeing all of these kids who are highly motivated who want to come in and, get to the next level and you know you have differing 
varying levels of, of what those expectations can be for the parent and for the athlete, right? Um, so let's just start at the beginning, kind of younger, and then we'll jump into kind of high school and college. But, you know, what age do you start seeing sports specialization? You know, parents are always asking, you know, what age should I start club? Is, you know, is it eight? Is it 10? Is it kick and chase? Where, where would you recommend um, parent, you know, what would your advice be to parents about this? Well, I mean, you know, as you said, I have two boys, so I once a junior, one's a freshman. So I went through it with them and their friends, and and I have a really different perspective because it, it, as we're talking about, I I see guys that are going to be drafted in the top ten, and and you know, no disrespect to my own son, but they don't look like my son. You know, it's a, it's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit different. And my son, as you know, is a solid high school player. You know, in a good league. So yeah. it's not that he's bad. It's just I, I have a different perspective. So. I, you know, we let our boys play everything. And I, and I, I think that the specialization is scary today with a sense that the, the, the high schools and some of the programs are almost requiring it because, you know, if you, if you leave basketball to go play football uh, in the fall or, or whatever sports, soccer or baseball, you, you have a feeling that you're going to lose your, your place. You're going to lose your spot on the team. And, you know, and I think that the really savvy parents, um, look, when the kids are 16 years old, the cream rises to the top, whether the, that kid played soccer, baseball, football, basketball when he was nine or he or he played one sport. You know, it's, I think that the multiple sports is extremely valuable. Um, I know, you know, there's a lot of talk about youth football, but my sons both played football all the way through the eighth grade. And I can tell you that my, my older son is a lot tougher because of it. You know, he did, he was, he was getting hit and, you know, people have their different opinions on that, but I mean, in sense of, of the, the grind of that getting out there in, in July when it was a hundred degrees in the San Fernando Valley and putting your pads on. And I mean, I think that those things really helped him in basketball. So I would, I, I really don't think at, at my opinion, the specialization comes as you get into high school and you realize, okay, I have a chance to be um, a, a really good basketball player. So maybe not that good at, soccer or baseball or track so maybe I you know really focus in the off season on becoming a better basketball player I've gone through it all this is what I love to do but to tell a kid at 10 or 11 or 9 or even 12 or 13 is very difficult because they don't know you know and, and the different experiences in different sports look when we when we have guys drafted I'll ask them did you play sports when you're little oh yeah I played everything you know that yeah. these are the kids 10 years ago, they all played everything. Nowadays, you do find some kids that didn't play uh, a lot of different sports because that specialization has become such an emphasis. But I, I really don't think that anything before high school should be specialized. If, if your son or daughter misses, you know, pe people are so freaked out. We missed two tournaments and, you know, we missed this. It's okay because at the end of the day, when they become 16, as I said, it all balances out. The good ones are good. And sometimes the ones who play multiple sports have a serious advantage over the ones who haven't. I mean, how many stories have we heard of kids who were not only stories, but personal experiences where kids when they were 10 or 11 were the talk of the town. And then when they're 16, they're nowhere to be found, you know, and it's right. just, they, they either burn out or, you know, kids, when you talk about basketball, which is obviously my sport, uh, the best kids when they're 10 and you know, from your son is yeah. the ones who can dribble the best. You know what I mean? They're, because if you're 10 and you can dribble through everyone, you know, you're going to be, you're going to score, you know, because right. no one can play defense as 10 year olds. Right. But that's, that's not the case when you're, yeah. when you're in high school, you can't dribble more than two or three times. You're going to get the ball. You know, the coach is going to, it's not how offense is played. So 
I really believe that specialization should come at the earliest in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And it seems like when you talk to a lot of these college programs, they say something like 80% of the kids who are playing at the D1 level played multiple sports growing up. But I'd be curious to hear if, you know, how quickly that trend is tapering because, because of exactly what you'd mentioned, which is people feeling the pressure, parents feeling the pressure to join earlier and earlier. I mean, my daughter's 12 and we just joined the racket of club volleyball and I show up in Anaheim last weekend and I'm just astounded. I'm only in one gym, but you know, 10,000 people are there for 12 year old, you know, 10 to 12 year olds who are paying a lot of money and are all in. Um, and then the, the realization that the, the rise to the top is going to get very narrow, very fast. And in, in a couple of years, like you said, I think when, when puberty hits, right. So yeah, you kids change and, and look, I mean, it, we're, we're, we're the adults, we're the parents. And if we're talking to parents, it's, it's a, it's an encouragement to have a big picture, look at it and not get caught up in the, my daughter or son is the, you know, I'm going to move him to this team. We're going to play on that team. It's a big picture and saying, look, He's 11, he's 12. You know, a lot of the NBA players that I trained early in my career have kids now, and they're either my son's age or older or younger, and their approach is so different than a normal parent because they're not overly concerned when they're 10 or 11. You know, they let the game come to them because I think they knew, and these are guys that are almost 40 now, so it was a little bit different back back then, is that it's, uh, it's they knew that, it, you know, when, when the puberty hits and when the changes come it's either going to happen or it's not whether they played volleyball when they were 11 only volleyball or they mixed it up with soccer and you know we put our kids in swimming everything you know is I often say now I wish my son Jack would have played uh played tennis because I think he would have been an excellent tennis not again I don't know I don't want him to think I'm criticizing his <laughs> basketball but of course he did basketball because yeah. I'm in it but it would have been better it would have been great for him just to see what kind of because he's he's got great hands he can, he's very competitive he loves to train and I you know I've had a chance to train guys like Tommy Haas and pro tennis players and he's built like they are you know he yeah. isn't built like my first round draft picks so right, <laughs> so right. Kind of like, what, are we, what are we thinking Why don't we let him play? <laughs> so um but yeah I think I think it really they really need to and, and I think that really savvy coaches will tell you that they love when their kids you know there's a kid from a local high school here who was going to be a wide and actually in the league you're familiar with he's going to be a wide receiver with for Stanford yeah. and um, he actually played the kid who plays at Chaminade and he he um, is a great kid he's, he's a world-class receiver a chance to be an NFL player and and believe it or not he played basketball as a freshman sophomore did not play as a junior uh, and then this year his senior year the Stanford football coach insisted that he play basketball he encouraged him oh. to play and he actually I saw him at a couple games he came and watched him play basketball which is rare you know so very no because like he just think it's just great conditioning yeah. yeah, he's great conditioning, great movement. He wants them to do what he likes to do. So I think I think there's a huge value in multiple sports. That's actually, I'm very pleased to hear that because I've heard the opposite where, okay, your kid's committed for lacrosse. You can't play basketball because we don't want you to get hurt now, right? It was pretty impressive. It was very, yeah. and actually he can't, I saw him at the game. He was at the game and he was supporting him and he, they tweeted out afterwards, you know, congratulations for a great game to, you know, to, to this kid who is playing football there. So it was very, very encouraging. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so then on the flip side of those, so if they, the other thing we're seeing right when they start earlier is, is burnout. And I've seen and talked to, I met a girl a couple weeks ago from Oregon who said, 
I played ODP. I was all, you know, club this, club that all the way till 17. And I got offers from five universities. And I looked at my dad and I said, I am not doing it. And I said, well, what happened? She goes, I went to Oregon just as a regular student. I never looked back. My dad still keeps asking me, um, don't you miss soccer? Don't you miss soccer? And she's like, no. And that's the, the flip side, right, of funneling kids into the sport at such an early age that they don't even know. I mean, it's like the Andre Agassi story, right? He had a paddle t- strapped to his hand in the crib. He, he <laughs> it's a never... great, that's a great book, by the way. <laughs> I, love I love that love book. It. Yeah, for parents, parents have to read that book. Yes, I love it. Yeah. I highly recommend reading Open as well. Yeah. It's such a phenomenal yeah. book. And it shows you, you know, I believe that a lot of what we're seeing now is from the Agassiz, the Tigers, the Serenas, where the parents started orchestrating their careers long before they even had a say in it, right? And I think we're seeing the tide shift a little bit where kids are at 17, 18 going, wait a second, I hate this, or I don't want to do right. it anymore, right? Right, um, sure. Are you, are you see, experiencing that too? Or you have you? Oh, that, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's usually the parents who are intense during the game. And I mean, look, it backs up into this whole parental problem of and, and and I I really can can speak of it because I'm extremely intense I prepare my NBA guys to win championships and make 200 million and then I have a son who has to take the brunt of that same intensity you know who who is it was at now he's 60 17 he just turned 17 but I mean he was at one point he was 13 hearing my crap in the car ride on the <laughs> way home so you know we always you know, so yeah, the, the, it's not just the, it's not the burnout of the sport. I, I don't think physically they're burned out. It's just the mental, you know, oh, this tournament that, you know, how many times have parents taken their kids to a tournament and it's a three or four game tournament, whether it's volleyball or basketball and, and the, the kid hasn't really played particularly well. And, and like the weekend is ruined, you know, it's a, yeah. the, the dad's upset, the mom's mad, the, you know, you're trying to drive home. I, I remember riding in a car from, with my son from Vegas back to Los Angeles, and we didn't speak the whole time. It was just the two of us in the car. And, you know, looking back at that now, I can tell parents how ridiculous. I think he was 13, you know, yeah, because he missed a few shots or I didn't think he was ready to go. So I think I think the burnout is is the pressure that these kids are facing that, um, you know, that they have to play well every game. I mean, you know, these tournaments, I, I don't know the other sports as well. I know volleyball is, is multiple games, but you could play a basketball tournament, play five games in a weekend, yeah. you know? So the re- the realistic uh, uh, expectation for the kid to play well in all five games, I mean, unless so he's not, a, a young yeah. Kevin Durant, it's like, you know, so the, the, I look, I, I admire, I used to see parents that ha- had maybe three or four kids and, the kid playing with my son was their youngest and they act differently than the, than yes. the ones who it was their first kids because they'd be like, you know what? We already saw that whether in, you know, in the middle of February, you know, in, in the middle game on a three game Saturday, he scored 12 points or 20 points. It's not that important, you know? So I think the burnout is a problem. And I think that it's a parental problem that we just, we really pressure the kids to perform all the time. And, um, look, when I was a kid, I was a good athlete. My mom used to drop me off at practice. I don't even think she ever asked me what happened at practice. You know, I, I mean, you know, it was she didn't even know what sport she was and dropping they, me off yeah, at. Yeah, if you know? they came to a game, yeah. bonus. But most of the time, they didn't bonus. go to the games. Bonus. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, my dad had to work. He couldn't come to the game every day, you know, 3 o'clock on a Tuesday. Nowadays, parents are rearranging their entire, including me, rearranging <laughs> their entire work schedule. Yes. Look, I mean, I travel quite a bit, and I, I didn't I didn't miss one game this year for well, I missed a preseason, but no, no conference games because I looked at the calendar and I said, okay, 
this is I'm a priority. Come back on this time here, and yeah, it was, yeah, it's a priority to us. So if yeah. we're putting that kind of importance on it, just imagine what it feels like to a 15, 16 year old kid. It's tough. Right. Yeah, that is a lot of pressure. Yeah, we were living in New York before here, and and I we went to the varsity um, banquet at the end of the year, and there were three seniors, and what caught like my attention the most was every senior, all three of them stood up to give their, you know, this was a great experience speech. And all three of them stood up and said, I want to thank my mom for, you know, basically being a big shoulder when I got home because of all the yelling dad did in the car ride on the way home. Right. And the next one said, I want to thank my sister who listened to me. And I was like, wow, you have five minutes to talk about how great high school basketball was and you're going back to third grade and dad yelling at you on the way home from the rec league game, you know, which is, it tells you everything, right? That's what they're remembering. That's what's important to them. And let's not ruin it for them. And you're right. As you get more and more kids through, you realize with the second and third one, you're like, Oh, this isn't a big deal. Right. And so we mess up. Well, it's like when you have, when you, you know, we only have two kids, but when you have a baby, I mean, how how much easier was the second one than the first one? Yeah. Right. The first one we were, the pacifier fell on the ground. We run, you know, we'd, we'd boil it. Now the right. second one, it fell on the ground. You wipe it on your shirt and give it back to him. You know, it's just a whole experience third, type thing is very important. Yeah, the third one, the dog picks it up and you pull yeah, it out the, dog, the dog's right. mouth. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about. It. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, let's transition on to so talking about high school and um, like one thing at least that we discuss around the dinner table all the time is nutrition. And I saw in one of your videos you were talking about how KG still eats the way you, you know, what, what framework, is there anything you can tell the parents in this? Like, how do you support this teen who is, I mean, my kid is a garbage can like that. All he wants is burgers and fries and shakes. And how do you help support their goals when they don't really have nutritional goals, even if you try to force them on them? Well, I think that, you know, and I, and I actually have a, my son, who's a a junior and same age as your son, he, he won't, he is, his eating is as clean as clean gets. I mean, and, and it was, even when they traveled with their high school team this year, he would have to order a special and he was texting me from the order. It's, it's really, I, I don't, I don't mean to, to put it on myself, but it's the way we eat at home. And it's the way, like I have him bought into the fact that, you know, the most simple example is if, if you want to have a nice car or you have a nice car and you want your car to run, you don't put bad gas and you don't yeah. put no gas in it. So it's a thing of, my deal with my son is, look, if you want me to support the training side, if you want me to drive you here, he drives now, but in, in how many times have we you know, driven our kids to this training session or that practice, and especially living where we live, the traffic and the, having to get all that done. If you want me to support all that, if you want me to make sure you can go to this trip or that trip with the, your team, you've got to do it all. So if, if you're not putting the nutrition piece in, then it's a lack of commitment from your side. And then we're not going to commit from our side. So we, we had that, um, you know, I, fortunately for my son, I eat very particularly in my, in my, cause, because I train myself a lot, yeah, but it's, it's something Man, that, right? uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I eat, I, you know, <laughs> I'm riding hundred, hundred miles in, on a Sunday. Yeah. So it's, 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 my eating is so different in terms of, I don't even, I mean, I like what I eat, but it's not that important to me in, in terms of that. It's, it's how I'm fuel. eating to fuel my body. So yeah. it really is the, the, you know, we talk about the basketball piece. We talk about strength and conditioning. And then the last two pieces are nutrition and, and the mental approach to it. But if the nutrition piece isn't there, in my opinion, the other two can't ever be as good as they can be. Because if you're not eating right, you know, kids want to 
kids want to gain weight and get stronger in high school. Well, if you're not eating properly, you're not going to gain weight. You know, you might gain bad weight, but you're not going to get stronger. You're not going to get stronger as efficiently as you could. So, I mean, it, it really starts young. I I believe like we have our boys in a habit of, you know, this is just the way they eat. They, They don't look at it as I'm eating this way. This is the way we eat. So it's not easy. And I think that, you know, parents themselves have to, you have to, you know, you have kids live what they learn, what they live rather than what they're told, you know, they you have yeah. to be around it. So we don't even have that food in our house. So it's a, it's a, you know, that's not to say my son can't have a cookie or he, you know, eats that kind of stuff every, you know, a piece of cake or a cookie. But for the most part, his, he has a real knowledge that if he has a game tomorrow or a hard practice, he needs a heavier base of carbohydrates and he can't eat a high, high amount of fat right before a workout. Cause I've taught him look, that's going to slow your system down. It's going to bog you down. Is he perfect? No way. He's a kid, you know, so he's still, you know, when, you know, they don't, they don't eat, you know, they'll get, yeah. order something and, and say, you know, leave this off or that off. Now they don't eat anything, but they won't eat any of that stuff. So I, I really believe the nutrition is, I, any athlete I've seen talking about Garnett, when they make that really big leap to becoming great, it's, it's always a nutritional commitment mm. that, that goes along with it. You know, you have to be good. He, yeah. He's good, but when when Kevin got the won the MVP that year, it was a, it was a it was a real he was eating cheeseburgers at you know midnight, and I said we gotta clean this up, and finally he said okay fine, so we did it. You know he had a chef, which is most moms don't want to hear that, but it's a it's 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 something yeah right. We all, we all would like it makes it easier, but again we we have we have kind of a another exercise that is you know how to eat properly on a low budget you know, because some people just can't, or you know, not right. making 23 million a year. So, you know, but it's possible. It really is possible. It's a lifestyle choice. And it, for, for young kids that are trying to be good athletes, you know, when I speak at camps or clinics, I ask them, I mean, how, how can you say you really want to be great when you're eating poorly and you know it, I don't get it. You know, it, it doesn't even matter because you could want to make that shot. You could want to spike the ball on the volleyball. You could want to swim faster, but if your body isn't fueled, it's just not even realistic. It's, it's almost idiotic to, you know, the, the insanity definition of, you know, what's going to happen. You can't go any faster without eating properly. So yeah. I tell people all the time, you know, if, you, if people have never run a marathon or done an endurance event, try doing it without fueling your body properly. You just, your body just stops. You know, right. you can't go anymore. You, you, you can't gut it out. You know, you're, you're going to cramp, you're going to hit the wall, what they yeah. would call bonk. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. You just, at a certain point. So you know, we, we know that some of these kids are going to practice at three o'clock after school or four o'clock if there's a delay and they had French fries and pizza for lunch and ba- barely anything for breakfast. It's, 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 re- and the coach is screaming at them to go harder. You know, right. it's, it's almost like when I talk to coaches, it's, it's not that they can control every kid's um, nutrition, but it's almost stupid that they're yelling at them like that because they're not going to be able to go any harder. You know, right. they just don't have any fuel. So to me, it's, it's, a, it's the key piece in all the other pieces. So it's very important. All right. Well, let's, we, I know we have a, just a few minutes left. I'm so, I'm so appreciative of your time. So just let's finish with talking about that last component, which is the mental piece, right? So if, let's say we've worked on the, the nutritional piece, you got the basketball skills, the, phys- the physicality, all the off, off-court drills, how much time are you devoting to working with your players on the mental piece? What, what, where does that come into their training? Well, I think it's, uh, 
I think there's two pieces to the mental side. There's the mental preparation to train and then the mental preparation to perform in front of people, uh, you know, with, with the danger of anxiety and those type of things that happen to some people, because, you know, we, we have players and that are, are unbelievable in their training sessions and they just can't transfer it to the, to the game. I think there's two different uh, ways to look at that. The first in terms of mental approach to training is, you know, my famous quote, it's a Vince Lombardi quote, or my favorite quote is that it's, it's, you know, more important than the will to win is the will to prepare to win. So that is that, that's what we kind of use as our mental, you know, we say, love the grind. We say, you know, Kevin Garnett used to say that when he was playing, I said, when are you going to retire? He said, I'm going to retire when I stop loving the grind, when I stop loving getting up every morning, knowing I got to work out, not kind of loving it immediately, but after I'm done, I love it. You know, the feeling of sitting on the side of the court, dripping in sweat, taking your shoes off and icing and being done is something that, that really fueled him. So we try to get our athletes to love training, to love preparing, you know, and, you know, obviously the, the name Lance Armstrong has a lot of connotations today, but when I got a chance to spend several weeks with him um, years ago, right, it was right when he, when he first retired the first time before he came back yep. and we yep. would go running every morning and, you know, for whatever happened with all the doping and all that stuff, the guy's an animal. So he, he, we'd run in the morning and, and I said, do you miss racing? And he said, no, I don't miss racing. So I miss the training days. Yeah. yeah. I miss the, you know, climbing up the mountain and, and not doing it right and doing it again. And I miss, I miss having to take a nap because I'm so exhausted. So that's the mental side that we try to get. And, and again, how many high school kids that say they want to be good really embrace that? Not many, you know, they don't want to work harder. They, and we, you know, we talk to kids, some do. Uh, and that's what our goal would be. And that's from a parental standpoint is your son or daughter wants to do this. You know, you and I talked before we got on the call about goals, you know, maybe some people have some lofty goals, but are you willing to do the work to reach those goals? That's to have the goals is one thing, yeah. but to know what it takes to get there and say, you know what, I'm going to embrace that process. That's what we're about it. Like that's what my business is. We get guys to love to prepare and, and they love coming in our building because the spirit in there is everybody's in there, whether it's a 10 year old kid or a guy making 200 million, everyone's grinding it out to get better. You know, and everyone in there loves being in there and you can feel the energy. But yeah. if you don't love it, you know, you talk about high school kids complaining, oh, practice was hard today. We did too much defense. We did this. You got to love it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And they're yeah. kids. So I think well, the like your you know, point about, about mental toughness. Sorry, it's your, your point about nutrition Go too, ahead. right? Your, value have to, your values have to equal your goals. So if your goal is to be this great player, then you've got to live in alignment with what those goals are. So same with your training. If you truly don't love the training, then you're never going to reap the benefits of, because there, there are people right next to you that are working harder than you are every day, right? So, No yeah. question, yeah. And equally as talented, right? Or more or talented. More. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 I, th I think parents lose track. And I know, uh, you know, this, how, how many kids are out there trying to get to the very small percentage of people that make it. So the talent has to be there again. Like I, I've said many times, my son is not, doesn't have the physical characteristics to be drafted or, or to play a Duke. Right. So I get it. I get it right away. But there's also a ton of kids in his area that are trying to play at a D3 school or trying to play. So at every level you're at, there's just a huge amount of kids that are competing for that spot. So the mental side, really, if you go watch a, a club tournament where there's games going on all of these different courts and you just walked around, you could tell, you know, within 20 minutes of observe, observing kids who those tough kids are. 
You know, they just have a way about them. They just don't get rattled. They're, they, they, they chip away at it. So, you know, again, that fourth piece, there's the basketball, the strength conditioning, all the stuff you can do for your body. There's eating right. And then that last piece, we do spend a good amount of time on it is the mental side. So then when you transfer to performing in a game, that becomes a different, that becomes a different mental uh, approach for the kid or the player. And our approach to that is if you've put the work in, which our guys have, or if you have, there should be no reason you don't have all, ultimate confidence to perform in the game. If you haven't put the work in, you shouldn't. So everything for us, and you know, I've been training now for 21 years with out, out of coaching, and it's this is my 21st draft coming up. So what we tell the players is, if you're putting the work in, when you go into those pre-draft workouts, you will, you will be confident. And there's no way to fake confidence. You can't just be confident. Confidence comes from hard work. So everything we do focuses back on that mental approach to preparing to win, not so much to winning. Yes. Awesome. So well said. Well, with that, I want to just wrap it up and thank you so much for taking the time in between. I know you were juggling things today to make this happen. So we totally appreciate it. No, no it. problem. Yeah. I would love to tell I didn't parents. didn't want to be driving in the car or anything. <laughs> so, yeah. Parents too, where can they check you out? So impactbasketball.com is one place. It's uh, impactbball. B oh, impact B-B-A-L-L. Yeah. Impactbball.com. Yep. On Instagram, you're on Impact B-Ball. Instagram well. is also, yeah, Insta- uh, Impact B-Ball on Instagram and also Twitter, Impact B-Ball. Okay, awesome. Well, this has been, I'm taking notes as we speak. I love all this. <laughs> this is fabulous. No, it's fun. It, being a parent of, an app, of a kid playing sports is not easy today. And they're, they're, uh, they're, there's some wild parents out there that need to, need to really calm down and realize what it's doing to their kid and that it's uh you know again you and I both have kids that I I just talked to my son this is our last summer of club basketball it's almost sad you know so I I don't want to you know after that we're we're not going to make the trips to Vegas anymore and the trips here and the trips there so we want to savor it but also I don't want to spend the whole trip mad at him you know let's 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 enjoy enjoy the ride exactly because (laughs) I can tell you for sure five years from now, I'll miss it because I love it. So it's it's something that uh, how many parents have you said, oh, enjoy it because it ends very quickly with your kids playing sports. So it's something that uh, that we'll, we'll definitely savor this spring. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll chat with you soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe.